tonight on The Goblin's Corner. Episode 42, Honoring Douglas Adams. That's how we roll. 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 Welcome to the Goblin's Corner. My name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And tonight? We're going to do some Douglas Adams honorifics. Absolutely. It is our 42nd episode, and thus... You got to. You have to. It's it's basically required. It, it totally is. Now, if you are unaware of who Douglas Adams is, we'll get to that in just a minute. And if you are unaware of who Douglas Adams is, my God... We love you anyway. We we do. We Seek do. Help. And we will help you learn the genius of Douglas Adams and why we're having an entire show dedicated to him and his whimsy. Indeed. And, you you and, could honestly do a couple shows, really. Well, him, Terry Pratchett. Oh, no. I meant just on him. Oh, just him? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You could totally do just on that. But we're not going to. No. We're just going to do one. Probably. I'd like to start this off with an intro okay it's my favorite quote from douglas adams which is i love deadlines i like the whooshing sound they make as they fly by yeah that's that's us in a nutshell and that pretty much describes a lot of the story and books that he wrote yeah and kind of the sense of humor that we tend to go with as well just kind of this you know kind of zany a little bit whimsical i would say yeah some sarcasm I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself because we have a... Question of the week? That's right. Hit me. All right. You ready? I'm ready. What's six times nine? Oh, well, we'd answer that, but I, I say we let the mice answer for us instead. Sounds good. And if you don't understand that, go read Douglas Adams. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think that's been the quickest question of the week we've had so far. Oh, boy. We didn't have to think about an answer. That's a good point. The mice are thinking about it. They are. We're just We're just cogs in the wheel, brother. That's right. So this episode is about honoring Douglas Adams, and it's important to know who this guy is, right? Like, what did he do? What did he write? And so let us... Oh, wow. Yeah. He wrote a lot of stuff. Well, several did, things. Several things. But, I, and I could I could probably wax philosophical about a lot of that stuff, but let's just let's bring up the old Oracle, a.k.a. Wikipedia, shall we? Yeah, man. That's pretty much. So who is Douglas Adams? Douglas Adams was an author, first off. He was a screenwriter. He was yes. a humorist. And it's pretty much a satirist yes. type of guy. Maybe a satirist. Well, who knows? He originally started, I believe, in radio, if, I, if I'm yeah. correct. And The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was the radio slash book slash movie most people are familiar with in terms of his work. Yeah. I, now, I think that's clearly accurate. Yeah. So... Uh, right around 78, it was a BBC radio comedy, and then it developed into a trilogy of books. And when they say trilogy, it was actually five books. Right. Which is, again, further amusing right. as well. And, and it's, you know, and of course, from that point, they made a couple of movies, actually. There was, a, I think, an 80s or 90s movie, which was... Uh, Different. It, you know, it was... Of its time. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad. I'm sorry. It was... I will say the costumes are really interesting. They did Zephod Beeblebrox with the actual extra head. Right. And not like one under his chin, which was stupid. It's just my personal opinion. You may like that. But everything else was not cool. Right. But everything else was, wasn't really too great because 
it was before a lot of the, you know, high technology tech. necessary to make it look as good as it ought to look for a lot of the high tech wizardry. Now, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a great book. It's a great movie. It's a great series. If you listen to the radio comedies as well. But he also did a lot of other stuff, too. He wrote Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, which also now is a series on Netflix or was. Which they did a good job with. They did a very good job with that, I thought. I thought it was amusing. Uh, A sequel to that Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul, which was one of my favorites as well. And let's face it, that is a great title. Yeah. That is a fantastic title. So a sci-fi series. And and Dirk Gently was also sci-fi. And I would also happen to add... Chronomancy. Yes. Yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit, I think. Yeah. The stuff that dreams are made of. That has nothing to do with Douglas Adams. It's the stuff nightmares for me. It really is, yes. And he wrote a whole bunch of other stuff. He did some stuff with Doctor Who. He did some Monty Python stuff. He's he's done a lot of different things. He's also a conservationist, environmentalist. Oh, yeah. And he died very suddenly, and it was very tragic, and it was very sad. It was tragic and sad? Yes, I'm I'm going to stay with that answer. Okay. Now, you might be asking yourself, that's great and everything, but why have an episode dedicated to Douglas Adams, aside from the fact that it's our 42nd and it's amusing, if you've read the book, 42 is the answer, why, why would we have such an episode for this whole thing? Especially one for tabletop role-playing, which is really our shtick. It, it is. And a, oddly enough, there is no tabletop role-playing game specifically... For the Hitchhiker's Guide. For the Hitchhiker's, or Dirk Gentin, for anything he wrote. That is correct, which is a shame. It is, but, but. But. And this is what we're going getting to. He, his writing style and his concepts and methodologies have a lot to offer. He influenced probably everyone that you would like from a writing perspective from a comedy perspective, from some sort of perspective. Yeah. From my perspective. That's <laughs> Certainly from your perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What we're coming down to is whimsy. Right. So a lot of role-playing games recently are ver versus. So gritty. So or, gritty and serious. You've got, you've got all of the grim dark stuff that's out. And it has a place, and oh, it's I love fine. it. I, I love some some deep, dark, you know, just dive into some entrails horror or some very realistic. Oh no, I got hit with a rail gun. There goes my oxygen. Sci-fi adventure type stuff. Sure, I or I don't mind highly thalidomide <laughs> games. You're aware, gritty and quote unquote real D and D combat. I I love it when people say this is gritty and real. It's fantasy, guys. Yeah. It's freaking fantasy. Don't tell me it's real. But I mean, uh, I can make Game a, of Thrones, right? So yeah. like Game of Thrones would be gritty. Sure. And, you know, aside from the fantasy elements, somewhat realistic, I would say. Well, I'm sure medievalists are, are probably, you know, cursing at us at this point. Yeah. No, nah, they won't. They won't listen to our podcast. They're medievalists. They're, you know, banging on swords or something. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I love medievalists, too. Don't worry. Okay. But... We feel like that whimsy has a place in games because if everything's grim, dark, lethal all the time, then in all honesty, you lose that edge. I agree. You got to add a little bit of comic relief occasionally, 
everything doesn't have to be so serious. Yeah, I've, because if it's all serious, none of it's serious. Very true. Just like if it's all funny, that tends to wear also. Got to have a little dark with the light, a little light with the dark, a little balance. Exactly. Yin and yang, my friends. Yeah. One spoonful of cream in your coffee. That's right. Now, for Matt and I both, the books that he has written hit us very personally. I, uh, between Douglas Adams and Terry Pratchett, that whimsy feeling, the little bit lightheartedness, even amidst the chaos and darkness on some of the subject matter, is a nice thing to have. And I know that personally, at many times, I've gone back to the books just to reread them, and I've either learned something new or put myself in a better mood, certainly. certainly. And, you know, when you're feeling bad, go read you know, Hitchhiker's Guide. It has Don't Panic on, on the front and nice friendly letters. Yeah. You learn that you're, you know, just a little backwater planet on the western spiral arm of the galaxy. Yeah. And uh, you didn't wake up to a giant bulldozer trying to destroy your house today. Or potential Vogon hyperspace. Uh, <laughs> hyperspace. Highway. Yeah, hyperspace lane. Could be worse. You could be the last human left. It's true. Life could always suck. And life does suck, oftentimes, for many people, myself included, yours as well, sometimes. Yeah. It happens. Life sucks. Your sci-fi shouldn't suck. No. And, and, and this is something, again, going back to whimsy, right? There's something childlike in the innocence of his writing, the genre of his books, the style it's presented in. It's, it's again, why we love Terry Pratchett as well, if you guys ever read Discworld. Same kind of, you know, zaniness. Yeah. Kind of a chaotic, it's a chaotic good. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Pratchett's a little more chaotic good. I think uh, Adams is probably more we'll see recognition of just the pure chaos of it all. And that's okay. And that's a good point to make, too, because it's a good example of all of the books, whether it's Dirk Gently series or Hitchhiker's series, or any of the other stuff like Last Chance to See, although that was kind of more of a documentary-type personal log. He uses human imperfection in the story. Uh, and again, going back on, on tabletop games, right, we oftentimes will try to make our characters or our games super serious without flaw. Perfect. And as Matt has mentioned many times before, if you try to work on make your game perfect, it's not going to be perfect. No. The... The more, there's a point of stagnation that happens when you work on it and work on it and work on it and you leave no room for improvisation. It, it becomes a painting, not a game. I mean, if we waited around for this podcast to be perfect, we would not be making this podcast. This well, point. the technology for podcasts would cease to exist by the time we would have gotten around to perfection. Well, I'll just be brains floating hey, in space. One can hope. And star children. Yes. Just, just brains. Psionic incarnates, man. Yeah, that's all. Oh, yeah, very good. Good, good callback on that. So, Douglas Adams used human imperfection to story and for the aliens as well. Made the aliens very weird, interesting, funny. I would say non-humanoid. Yes, oftentimes non-humanoid, and with that dry British humor that yes. we enjoy from our friends across the pond, he makes fun of the eccentricities of life and uses a lot of fantastical elements 
uh, to employ those eccentricities. But the funny thing about that is they're always, and this is kind of an improv thing, no matter how crazy things get, they're always grounded on people. Yeah. I, the The entire set of books is based off of the quote unquote human experience, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it's not giant empires versus giant empires or anything like that. It's a, a handful of people experiencing the absolute chaos of the universe. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to quote an improv friend of mine who probably is not listening to this podcast, but so I'm going to do his voice. Uh, if you got, if you want to have monkeys on the moon, you got to start on the ground. And that's what he does, right? He starts with very simple types of characters, simple types of relationships, and then gets completely bonkers. And it's weird, weird, weird writing. And weird is good. Yeah. You know, I actually made a comment about that recently on Twitter. And that's, there's plenty of weird, uh, there's plenty of normal in the world. We don't, we don't need any more of it. We need more weird. Yeah. Lots more weird. And we need more positivity in an otherwise horrible world. Yeah. I'm the, the world is amazing and it's awful and there's plenty of room for comedy in between those two points. Correct. So in your tabletop game or in your storytelling experience, learn from Douglas Adams, learn from, and I would also say learn from Terry Pratchett too, because they, they might as well be brothers from another mother at that point, but put some positivity in your horrible situations. Go a little lighthearted when you're, you know, throwing them into a pit trap. Sure. <laughs> There's plenty of space comedy as well, and that's something that we also enjoy. And it is a, it, the Hitchhiker series is a is a space comedy of sorts. His writing's a good way to show that you can be funny but not beat people over the head with stuff as well. Yeah. There is commentary in his writing that is there for those people who want to pick it up but it's not avatar where the premise of the film is a mallet to beat the audience over the head with avatar you mean dances with wolves in space yes which is which what it was sure yeah you can you can be subtle in your humor and intelligent people will get it and honestly it, it's they don't get it then they'll eventually get it or if they don't get it, then they don't get it. Right. One of the things that Douglas Adams also did was he used normal objects for sci-fi purposes. So instead of having some kind of, you know, techno jargon MacGuffin to solve every single situation, he often used the most ridiculous and mundane items for his sci-fi. And this is either for Dirk Gently or for Hitchhikers, but I'm just, you know, we're talking Hitchhikers right now. Uh, A good example, uh, towels, right? Sure. Got to know where your towel is, brother. Absolutely. And towels are useful for everything. You can soak them in nutrients and get yourself, you know, some vitamins. You can, of course, towel yourself off with it. You can. It's a pillow. It's a blanket. It it wards off the ravenous bug bladder beast of trawl. Yes. The methodology of taking an absolutely normal thing and making it the most important travel accessory. Things like that. It's. Uh, the fact that beer nuts and or beer and beer nuts help with teleportation sickness. Right. One of my favorite things, uh, I make a lot of cocktails. I invent a lot of cocktails. 
one of my favorite things about him was the fact that there are people still attempting to make what the description of the Panagalactic Gargle Blaster <laughs> is as a cocktail drink. I've I've put the attempt in a couple of times. Um but turning just the description of a cocktail into a methodology to push the sci-fi forward. Things like that, right? Like nobody else does that. Everybody else is just like, oh, I'll hit a button and we'll teleport places. And he's like, uh, I'm going to describe a cocktail and let people know about seven places in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. He described the world by the making of that cocktail. Right. I also enjoy the inability of a computer to make tea. So when Arthur Dent's trying to talk to the computer and is trying to make tea and it just screws the whole, yep. it shuts the whole, uh, cause it needs too much system resources and it sh- uh, shuts the heart of gold down. It, this is a perfect example of how, if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. Like Arthur Dent's basically Murphy's law incarnate when, right. it's, when, yeah. it's, when he's yeah, trying yeah. to make a cup of tea. These ridiculous things are fun or, you know, of course, fun with physics, like throwing yourself at the ground and missing. Yep, that's how you fly. That's how you fly, brother. It's it's all about learning to miss the ground or improbability drive. The fact that it's just, it can be any at any point in time and space all the time. It's basically powered by pure chaos. Right. Well, the the fact that humans literally exist as just part of the equation to figure out the meaning of life, the universe and everything. Correct. The question, in fact, yeah. figure out the question. Cause we don't, we know the answer, right? We don't know the, que- the appropriately phrased question. Correct. So Douglas Adams is really good at world building in general. And one of the things that I really appreciated about his work was the conversational quality of the writing that makes it approachable. I mean, even when there was subject matter that wasn't, specifically approachable. So a lot of people don't really think much about particle physics unless you're a particle physicist. Right. Most people don't think a lot about time travel, except unless you're watching Doctor Who or Quantum Leap or something like that. But it's, he used analogies and metaphors in a way that anybody could get it and it was funny and it was relatable and it was humorous. And so I personally consider him one of the great humorists in literature, certainly in sci-fi, sure, because he's influenced a lot of people. We'll talk about some of that too. Yeah, I think we were actually just about to get to that. Short of discussing one minor point that we simply don't understand: why there's not an RPG devoted to this. Yeah, I don't. I don't get this either. And the only thing I can come up with is who writes it, right? Who I don't want that on my shoulders. The guy who wrote Artemis Fowl, because he wrote one of the uh, Douglas Adams books. Mm. Yeah, he wrote And Another Thing. I was unaware of that. You should read it. It's good. I have it over here. I'll let you borrow it. Like literally right behind me. Right. So let's talk a little bit about some of the people that he's inspired. He's inspired a lot of different authors, obviously. and sure. And all types of creators. Yep. So we got Neil Gaiman. He inspired Neil Gaiman? Yes. That's interesting. And that, he is 
you know, I love a lot of Neil Gaiman's work. So well, he did. You know, he did Good Omens with Terry Pratchett too. Again, yes. one another person right on that list, right? He inspired Rick and Morty, which no great surprise there. With that strangely absurd dark humor. Yeah, here's one. NASA. As recently as 2015, the space agency announced plans to tether satellites and probes to passing comets and asteroids and then attach them when they're closer to where they're going. Literally to hitch a ride in the same way that Arthur and Ford did in the books. Like, they they took the concept, said, does this actually work? Did the math and went, wait a second, this this might actually work. I like that. That's awesome. Life imitating art? Yes. Wonderful. Of course, there's a lot of stuff, you know, memes and stuff like that, but Bab- the company Babblefish. Yeah, they literally got their name. From the Babblefish. From the Babblefish in Hitchhiker's Guide. Mm-hmm. Deep Thought, the chess computer. Oh, yeah. Is that built by IBM? I don't want to lie and say yes, but we're going I to think say, so. We're going to say that. I believe so. For now. Someone can write to us and question us differently. Or they can just correct us. Yeah. Whatever. That's <laughs> fine. I'm just going to start speaking words into this microphone at this point, and just <laughs> hopefully some of them will make sense. There am English about. And of course, May 25th. Towel Day. Towel Day. So there's two wonderful things in May. May the 4th. Yes. And then May 25th. When's Talk Like a Pirate Day? September 19th. There you go. <laughs> Nothing to do with me. No. No, in fact. So how can we, as game experts, game designers, DMs, GM storytellers, you know us, how can we honor Douglas Adams? Well, I mean, obviously... I think of only one thing, one great thing that we could do. We're not going to do it because we're not going to write a role-playing game. Yet. Yeah, I... Oh, my God, the mechanics. I just got him. He got real scared. I saw I saw his face ghosted up. He was like, oh, you, you're going to promise to write a... No, we're no, not. No. No, we are not promising to write a Douglas Adams a, role-playing intellectual game. property. B, no. I, don't, I don't have time. I'm making this podcast, man. C, I don't want that on my head. Sure. I want someone better at it than me. So, but what we can do is you can, you can start incorporating humor and whimsy and whatnot into games. And that we have a list of games that might be decent for running such a game. So we've got a couple of ways that if you want to play Hitchhiker's game, whether it's D&D, whether it's Shadowrun, maybe not Shadowrun. Hey, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Let's say it's Shadowrun. Whether it's Travelers, there's a bunch of different systems. Whatever the system, we've got the means to add a little bit of that whimsy, that comicness that Hitchhiker's Guide is known and loved for. But we're going to get to that in just a moment. Say, after this break? We'll be right back. <laughs> this episode brought to you by... Are you looking for a D&D podcast with the dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. 
Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old-school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls. This is a commercial break. If you guys would like to hear us review something like a product or service, or if you'd like us to cover something like a topic, or if you'd like to sponsor an episode, we'd love to hear from you and have you contact us at info at goblinscorner.com. So write to us and maybe we'll talk to you. Maybe not. And we're back. Welcome back. So before we left, we mentioned, hey, we're going to show you guys how to use whatever system you like to make a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy game or incorporate some of the more absurd elements from Hitchhikers into your game system. Sure. So how are we going to do this? First off, we need a system. We do. Uh, we've got a list of some that I think would probably be appropriate. We've got five. It's, it's small. It's There's, still a list. It's, it's it still counts. A, it's a bullet point list of five. Now, there, there's obviously way more that we could have used, Yeah. but we don't have time in this show. And honestly, we're already lazy enough in our research. So these are five that I think honestly would work perfect. And one of them already had one. And I'll get to that in a second. So yeah. tell me about the first. All right. The first one is Hole. H-O-L. It's short for Human Occupied Landfill. Been around for a while. It has. So the game in and of itself is a satire of games of its time. So that is already partially built in. So you're using a satire game system to play a satire-based space game. Yes. I and love it's it. set in the future. So sure, why not? Yeah. Of course I it feel, is. I feel like it's a solid game for that. Solid. Now the second we have is GURPS. Sure. Generic universal role-playing system, if you're unfamiliar with the term. And GURPS can pretty much play anything. Right. That That's its, that's its job, right? It, it's on it, the tin. Absolutely. Now, we did some digging, and apparently way back, uh, I can't remember when because I didn't write it down, but at least 10, 15 years ago, I think, there was a Hitchhiker's web playable thing right. that somebody wrote, If you, which if you wrote it, Please give us a call. Like I want to, I want to have a chat with you, and you know maybe know what's going on in in terms of you know how you wrote it and stuff like that. Because hey, we'll we'll talk about it, right? Yeah. But I, it's doable. Sure. I can't it, say anything good or bad done. about it, right? Yeah. I mean, it can be done, right? So we would, yeah, I would say GURPS would be fine with that, because GURPS and riffs are so interchangeable with all of the wackiness that they have. Right. I mean, you literally can play a mutant turtle and a superhero and at the same, a, time, at the same time. Totally. So why couldn't you play a hitchhiker's game? In fact, being a hitchhiker in riffs, well, that's not even on our list, by the way, but that would be hilarious. Well, GURPS and riffs kind of go hand in hand in my head. I gotcha. Okay. So we got traveler. Traveler would be an excellent system as well. If for no other reason, for the fact that, Earth could be the backwater planet and everything else in the Traveler universe is better. The the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, the world of Hitchhiker. Yep. It wouldn't take too much to use the system and a lot of the lore. And, you know, that's what we're talking about, right? Just how what's the easiest, most efficient way to cross it over? Now, 
I know what you're thinking. You're like, I play D&D. That's fine, guys. We've got a system that you can totally use that can play it. And it's kind of, it honestly, it's sort of already, at least the way we play it, it's been playing, which is Starfinder. Starfinder. Yeah. yeah. Starfinder is perfect for playing a hitchhiker's game. You don't really even need to adapt anything except kind of bone up on the comic humor. Right. Now, there is a game that has the comic humor built in. Okay, we need to preface this just a bit more, Matt, because in our search for something ridiculous to play Hitchhikers with... I came across gold, he sir. He found the best game that I have ever seen, the most ridiculously absurd, I mean, acid trip game, and, and we bought it. Yes. Immediately. Yes. I can't believe I've never heard of this game, and the game I'm talking about is Troika. Yes. Can you you want to explain Troika? Oh Lord. Okay. Somebody on the internet probably explained it much better than we did. Uh, somebody on the internet did. Their review is uh, the review that made me look up the game. The paraphrase that you are going to tell me. Yes. Was imagine if Douglas Adams and Terry Pratchett came back from the dead, took a trip across the American Southwest to. California, where they legally obtained some of the finest weed and <laughs> sat down in a Ford Coronado, if I remember correctly, hot boxed the entire bag of weed and wrote an RPG. God, that sounds wonderful. And I've, I'm sitting here directly to the left of me is the game Troika, which, by the way, is T-R-O-I-K-A, for those of you who want to go and look for it. It's still available, and you can play everything from an angry dwarf to... A generic dwarf. A, a, yeah. You can, <laughs> you can play... A poorly made dwarf. Poorly made dwarves. You can play wizards. You can play robots. You can play... I'm trying to think of something else. A butcher, if I recall. I think so. Like a barbarian that, that grills. There's like a grill master barbarian. Uh, a, a spoiled child. Mm-hmm. Just the most random assortment of weird characters. Yeah. And it's delightful. But one of the important things is that you can make classes. In ah, Troika. yes. And that's one of the reasons why it's great. We're going to get to that in a, in a minute or two. Sure. But so what do you need to do? What do you need to include to run a hey. Douglas Adams style game? Aside from the system, which we've suggested, and by the way, any of these will work. I, we, though, we, we suggest Troika. Yeah. Or Starfinder. I like Starfinder, too. I mean, yeah. It's, honestly, yeah. Go with any of them. It doesn't matter. You should play on the comedy of errors. If it's not ludicrous, you're kind of doing it wrong. I don't want to tell people how to play their games, but you're wrong. If you're going, <laughs> you know, go, go. I mean, this is kind of Monty Python in space, right? Yeah. So you can... There's nothing wrong with, you know, going with some dry humor, playing on some comedy errors, play on the comedy of people. Yeah. You you should also use physics in the most ridiculous way possible. Right? We we described earlier how do you learn to fly mm -hmm. by throwing at yourself at the ground and missing. Right? Things like that. Like uh if you were running my game and i was like hey i want to build a levitation machine okay that's and, easy right you know how 
Yes, I know. Marshmallows. Marshmallows. No, I don't know this one. Yes. You build it using marshmallows because marshmallows are fluffy, and when you pop them in your mouth, they taste lighter than air. Thus, marshmallows are lighter than air. Thus, you can make a levitation device using marshmallows as the power source. Oh, okay. See, what I was going to do was I was going to tape buttered bread. To a cat? To a cat. And have him spin? Yeah. Sure. Perpetual motion machine? Yeah. Of course, because the cat always lands with, on its feet. The buttered toast always lands butter side down. Butter side down. So you just kind of just constantly spins, generates power. Yeah. So there we go. I might you have know, seen that a couple times. It's methodology, man. So use physics in the most ridiculous ways. Have fun with this, and and you know, go watch a Rick and Morty episode, and it's all ridiculous in that too. Yeah. Well, what is? It should be. It was inspired. That's very true. <laughs> what are some other uh, strange ways we can? make ourselves some kind of unusually hitchhiker-esque game. Well, uh, it needs to be bent, right? It needs to be a little unhinged. I would say not just bent, but su- sufficiently warped. You, your characters should come up with, uh, they should be encouraged to come up with strange and unusual talents and flaws and quirks and, right, a, a depressed robot. Mm-hmm. Marvin, right? I mean, a guy that can destroy any electrical device by explaining what T is. Yes. And, and by the way, the concept of quirks and flaws and uh, talents are in most game systems. So this shouldn't be too much of a stretch for the average storyteller to come up with either. Ah, uh, yes. As mentioned before, though, the classes. Classes. What type of classes would you have? In a Douglas Adams world. Oh, man. Well, it could be archetypes or classes. Sure. Or whatever. It could be. I mean, it could be anything. Yeah, the analog for classes are. Well, obviously, you need a hitchhiker. I mean, sure. that You've got to have one of those. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you got to have the president of the galaxy or planet or whatever, right? Yeah, some, kind of, some kind of bureaucrat, I would say. Yeah. The bartender. You gotta have a bartender in a, in must a hitchhiker's have a game. Yeah, yeah. Booze is very frequently mentioned in the game. I'd say half of it is is bartending recipes. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's that much, but I, at least in my head, it is. Sure. You gotta have some furniture. So intelligent sofas, or in the case of I'm gonna pronounce this wrong, Scornshelius Zelt Zeta, the mattresses that are uh, killed and dried. Yeah, and sometimes come to life. <laughs> so, so weird it's weird when I say it when you read it it's so much different a scoundrel a scoundrel yeah which in our campaign is pretty much everybody that plays with us right yeah that's a that's the uh, they're multi-class right yeah. they're whatever they are prestige, as a scoundrel prestige into scoundrel yes. every time a bar well, fly yeah well if you're gonna have a bartender you need a bar fly you should probably have some class like a con man or con woman or a con artist. Con artist. Yeah, cons are happening. Yes. Hopefully this year. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. I, please give me Dragon Con. Sorry. That's my fault. My bad. Um, a brand new alien, right? Just literally make something up. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah. Come well, up with those just random aliens and there are a bunch of random alien generation sites if you want to go just go find something or you could 
dive into the uh, the monsters in Starfinder because they've probably thought of all of them. Yeah, and there are a lot of aliens. In but Starfinder. you can, but you can go so much further. Super intelligent shades of the color blue, sir. Well, sure, but uh, what about the planet grass of Farfanugan? Yep, that's it. That's my new alien species. It's a, it's an entire field of grass that covers a whole planet. Made by, made by Volkswagen. One sentient creature, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, because because Volkswagen was already there. Interestingly enough, that was actually uh, the concept for. Uh, there's a short story by that uh, where the entire planet was grass, and it, and all of the grass ended up taking over the uh, the people, and they made it back to Earth, but they were all infected. And yeah, invasion I, of the body snatchers. No, no, <laughs> it's it's some short story I read a long time ago. <laughs> but also Orson Scott Card, actually, uh, the trees in 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 the third or f- fourth book for the Ender series, the planet he goes to when he's done with Ender's games. Speaker for the Dead? Speaker for the Dead, yeah. In Speaker for the Dead, the trees are intelligent because mm. they all communicate and stuff like that. It's like a whole symbiosis in, on that planet. It's very interesting. Hmm. So, yeah, you're not, you're not too far off on that, sir. Well, there we go. And then? A sudden immortal. Just immortal? Yeah, really, like Wild Banger the Infinitely Prolonged, which was out of the book but i mean yeah just just find some kind of happenstance immortal either a either a thunder god sure or just some kind of you know something out of any type of mythology or just come up with something new or you could have been just a dude who's walking down the street right bam i'm immortal yep the more ridiculous the better and use some of that ridiculous physics to make yourself immortal oh yeah yeah do something with marshmallows guys that's what that's what i want to see I feel like you're having a marshmallow. Moment. I want marshmallows for some reason. <laughs> I never want marshmallows, but I want marshmallows now. You've got some candy corn. Absolutely. That's not marshmallows, but it's the closest thing you've got at the moment, I think. Probably so. There you go. Like, it, it's literally that easy to come up with some kind of Douglas Adams-themed, Hitchhiker's-themed game. Now, we would be remiss if we did not add... Yep, yeah, Dirk Gently. Because, and you mentioned this, it's it's one of the better ways that... You can do chronomancy. Absolutely. Now, understand, uh, understand, all of you wonderful listeners, Matt is not a huge fan of chronomancy in games. However, dot, 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 if you're going to write chronomancy in a game, or if you're going to have it, this is a great example of ways that you can do it. Sure. Chronomancy is done either really well or it's a goddamn nightmare for the DM. Yes. And that's the biggest problem is yeah. the bookkeeping involved. Yeah. It always has been. Because if you're underpowered, then it's like, oh, I can do an extra action. Congratulations, you're a fighter. Or right. <laughs> if it's overpowered, oh, I didn't really like that combat with the dragon. Let's go back in time. Yeah, and then the bookkeeping becomes egregious. You, I almost feel like with stuff like that, you have to say, okay, guys, I want you to just know I'm about to use chronomancy at some point soon. Right. And then everyone's going to hate you 
They will. They'll hate you. You got to keep all of that bookkeeping on a separate on a separate sheet of paper. Absolutely. Done round by round. So if you're no like, one's oh, going to want to play with you. No. no one wants to play a chronomancer if if you do that, unless the entire game is a bunch of chronomancers. In which case, God, that's I. I you know that what? Sounds off. We're that, going to do that. No, so. you're going to do that. <laughs> I will run that someday, and then probably hang myself shortly thereafter. That's just oh god, this sounds like a nightmare. I I have yeah, I'm not interested. But but, <laughs> but the way that Dirk Gently's described time travel was very interesting it, because it was a scenic change, right? And less mechanics, but more things have a way of working themselves out, right? Also, um, which is very very. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey as well. I was actually about to bring that up. There is a Doctor Who game, although I don't know if there is a recent one. I think the last one I read about was early 2000. No, it was like in the 90s. But one of the seasons of Doctor Who is literally written as a chronomancy homage, right? Where they're constantly trying to dodge each other, where... The doctor is constantly setting things out for his former self to be able to pick up. Sure. All of that stuff. And so if you, as a GM, DM, what have you, have the time and the patience to write it up, there is an amazing story to be told if you can put the pieces together correctly, if you can think in multiple dimensions and do this, look, it's going to have, I'm going to write one at some point and I will play it. If the chronomancy is story based and not mechanics. based. Now, I do want to say in addition to the chronomancy part, a Dirk gently themed game, just in general, in general would be hilarious because oh, yeah. what, what is it? It's what's, it's basically just a mystery game, right? Yeah. It's, it's a detective game, gumshoe stuff. Of, of of weird proportions. Yes. And because, again, weird-ass physics, right? Yeah. Like each... Oh, how do you... I was about to explain why it's such a great idea, but I really don't want to ruin the book for people who haven't read it. If you haven't read that book at this... You know what? No, here, remember. People haven't read the book. It's true. Now, I will say this. I would say, if you're running that game, you should be encouraged to make up ways that things work yes and you should be given either inspiration points or extra experience or some kind of extra bonus to the role if you just basically bullshit yes because that's how you run a dirk gently game that would be a lot of fun you just just wing it all you have to you have to you have to wing it all in fact a dirk a dirk gently game should almost and be as much improv as feasible i would say that you could you could literally get away with absolutely no system. Yeah. Like a, you basically have a couple pass fail cards and that's about all you need. That we, we should play that at a Dragon Con sometime. That'd be kind of fun. And we'll play it with a deck of cards. Yeah, just play it with a deck of cards and we'll we'll make up what the cards represent as we move along. Yeah. And that's how you go. Just you make ex- it a storytelling game. You each draw a card and you explain why your card is better. I love everything about that. <laughs> so there you have it. Our homage to Douglas Adams, go ahead, make a Hitchhiker's Guide game, yep. or at least play something Hitchhiker's related, yes. or Dirk Gently related. <laughs> it, I guarantee you it would be a lot of fun. Next up, we'll do a Deadlands a la 
Blazing Saddles. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Do you have a game that you would like us to do an homage to or an author that we might have missed or even a story that we somehow forgot? Write to us. Info at goblinscorner.com or you can reach me, Eric, at goblinscorner.com or I'm Matt at goblinscorner.com. And of course, you can find us on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, the all of the things. Oh, you remember you remembered all of them. We have I didn't I didn't mention Pinterest, but we have one. We do. And goblinscorner.com and of course we have a Twitch. Indeed. Where you, where you can now catch us every other week. Doing some insanity as well. In fact. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Once again, my name is Eric. And I'm Matt. We'll see you next time. Good night. The Goblin's Corner is written and produced by Eric Holden and Matt Staples. Show song by the mighty D20. Don't we love that guy? Sure. This is a subterranean production.